0: Drama on One Sundays at 8pm rte.ie forward slash drama on one Drama on One I'm Alan Stanford and welcome to Lear in Longford And now with some ideas on approaching a typical question on King Lear here's Jerry Griffin from Loreto, Stevens Green, Dublin The question I will address is Is the character of Lear more sinned against than sinning? I would feel free to discuss the play looking at it from both sides of the fence. do I feel obliged to discuss all of Lear's failings or all of his good points for that matter. You do not have to take a firm stand although I'd probably recommend it for clarity's sake especially towards the end of the essay. But the original question we have to look at his sins first. One, irresponsibility. Two, his vanity. Three, anger. Four, his blindness. After discussing his sins we'd also have to discuss his, the counter-argument which is that he was once a good king. That's your first point. Two, his daughter's exploit and torment him. Three, he learns by his mistakes too late. Four, the storm scene. Five, his enlightenment. Six, the loss of Cordelia. And finally, the transformation or concluding paragraph at the end. But firstly, let's look at his irresponsibility. The notion that a divinely appointed king, God's deputy on earth, as Shakespeare's audience would have believed, uh, resigning his position and kingdom so that he could... Unburdened crawl to death is the first point we may want to consider. The idea of splitting a kingdom in such a callous way without meditating on the implications of such a decision would have seemed appalling to Shakespeare's audience. The main reason for this is, of course, that a kingdom without a strong unified leadership, i.e., one king, would have been considered weak or at least weakened and perceived as fair game for an invading force. Remember that the kingdoms of Scotland and England had just been reunited under James I so the idea that this could suddenly be broken apart again would have horrified shakespeare's audience second point of course is his vanity and his love test when he asks which of you shall we say doth love us most is goner and regan who are only too willing to profess their undying love for their father both sisters know how to deceive their father and tell him what he wants to hear while cordelia cannot heave her heart into her mouth I would think about all the other sincere words of truth and wisdom Cordelia uses as defence against his vanity. This, of course, leads us to Lear's next great faux pas, which is his anger. Lear is impetuous and vengeful in his anger, again without any understanding of the potential repercussions of his actions. He curses Cordelia and Kent who are arguably the two people that love him most. Both are banished in a flash of white rage, leaving it difficult for us as an audience to empathise with Lear at this point. His final sin, his fourth sin, is his blindness. While his blindness leads him to command that the third most opulent part of his kingdom be digested between his two daughters, he is blind to the fact that all of his powers have now been reduced to nothing. Lear's blindness to the new position he has unwittingly created for himself, especially in regard to the number of knights he will have to relinquish control over, is not something that we can feel duly sorry for. The counter-argument is the fact that Lear was once a good king and we must also take his age into consideration. An important aspect of Lear's character that we cannot overlook is the fact that he is a man upward of fourscore years. Having reached such a ripe old age as king, without being deposed or murdered, it is quite reasonable to suggest that he was once a good king who was well-liked, if not loved, by his subjects. Despite Lear's angry dismissal of those close to him, they continue to follow him. Cordelia plans to lead a rebellion from France while Kent disguises himself as a lowly servant for the purpose of protecting Lear from Goneril and Regan. Lear's daughters exploit and torment him. This is probably the most important point when dealing with the counter-argument. When Lear perceives a most faint neglect of late, it is because his daughters are deliberately out to torment him. The fool, who is Lear's personal source of comic relief, does little to soften the blow as he tells his master the truth, no matter how hard it hurts. The next point, ...is that Lear learns by his mistakes too late. And the more he learns of his mistakes, the more cruelly he is treated. This again is the key to understanding whether he deserves the extent of the punishment meted out to him. His rage against the storm can be seen as a response by nature to the wrongs that Lear is suffering. The storm mirroring the tempest in the old king's mind. It is at this moment that our deepest sympathies lie with the ageing king... The next point is that Lear's madness also leads to enlightenment as he exchanges the fool for Edgar's, or poor Tom's, moral guidance. It is impossible not to feel the enormity of the king's fall from grace at this point. He also understands during the mock trial how a dog's obeyed an office, what his poorest subjects have always suffered without him even being remotely aware of their ordeals. Oh, I have taken too little care of this. Take physic, pomp... Expose thyself to feel what wretches feel. Shakespeare is deliberately making us admire Lear, making us feel that it is only right to think of him as more sinned against than sinning. Unlike other characters that have committed wrongs, Lear is at least capable of enlightenment. Another point is the loss of Cordelia, and when we consider the effect that this has on Lear. He knows he has abused those closest to him, and he has come full circle, and he's overcome his vanity, anger, blindness, pride, only to lose the woman, who has stayed loyal and true to the very end. Her death breaks the king's heart, and we are left feeling for the king more than any other character in the course of the play. Finally, the transformation of Lear, in our con- concluding paragraph. Lear's transformation in the course of the play, and Shakespeare's masterful ability to get to the very essence of human nature, is such that he makes us feel that Lear is a man, first and foremost, and secondly, that he is a man more sinned against than sinning. We as an audience from serious reservations about Lear's character at the beginning of the play, feel the same. It is quite obvious that no other character that commits wrongs in the course of the play has the capacity to undergo the same transformation or plummet the same emotional depths as Lear is forced to explore. Lear's greatest weakness is his age and the errors of judgment that spring from being in a position of authority for too long. He is certainly a man that we can empathise with, as a frail man who is more sinned against. He was just an old man who wanted to rest weary limbs in a kind nursery. The mistakes he makes in going about his retirement were deeply flawed, but his punishments are certainly disproportionate to the crimes he committed.